As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. everyone and welcome to MLS Assist, a podcast created to give insight into Major League Soccer's on-field action. I'm Joe Lowry and for the first time in 2021, I am joined by my co-host Jordan Angeli. Jordan, how are you? Joe, it feels good to be back. It really does. It does. And to hear your intro, I'm doing well. I needed and took a nice little break. I hope people uh, took a break and recouped after... That crazy MLS 2020 season, but I am returning as a member of a championship team. I feel good. I feel refreshed, and uh, let's go year two. Can you believe it? What a flex! First of all, just well yeah, played I just on had to that. Drop that in there. Uh, I'm returning as a champion <laughs> to the show. Joe, only one of us has a championship ring and a trophy. Actually, hey, for your knowledge, I you. I think I won a T-ball championship at some point in time in my life. So I think we're basically on the same level with yeah, that one. That's true. That's um, but true. it is it's nice to be crawling back out of hibernation because we both did that a little bit. Yeah. During the off season, last year was so strange, right? Our first year of doing this podcast was so bizarre in that we had soccer and then we didn't for a really long time for very good and understandable reasons. And then we had so much soccer so quickly, and it was just a very bumpy roller coaster ride. We don't know when this season is going to start. CBA negotiations are making that prediction a little bit difficult. We don't know a lot of the details. If you want that, go listen to Allocation Disorder and the Total Soccer Show feed. Paul and Sam have been really nailing the CBA coverage, but we don't, we don't know a lot of things, but we do know that we, we have a lot of off-season news to catch up on. And that's what we're here to do today. For our first episode of this year leading up to the 2021 season, we want to catch up on some of the notable moves from the offseason that are going to have or that we think are going to have some sort of tangible on-field impact in 2021. So we've got coaches to talk about. We've got player moves within the league to talk about. We're not going to talk about transfers that are coming into MLS because we want to do a whole separate show about that. And we're also not going to go incredibly in-depth on a lot of these coaches who are moving in into the league or moving within the league because we're going to do a whole separate show on that too. So we want to to spark some curiosity to have some questions that we can come back and answer later on. 
I like that. Spark some curiosity. I think it sparks our curiosity too, because we're, we want to dive a little bit deeper into these, but we want to make sure we get everything first off out there and into your ears and your brain. That's exactly right. And I want us <laughs> to start today, Jordan, before we get to coaches or before we get to, to players moving teams within Major League Soccer, I want to talk about some outgoing moves and one specifically, but I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Brendan Aronson and Mark McKenzie moving from the Philadelphia Union to RB Salzburg and Genk respectively, each for solid money, about $6 million mm-hmm. reportedly per player. That's a pretty solid early validation of what the union are doing with their academy and with their business model. But I think the biggest, most recent news is reports about Jordan Morris being set to join Swansea City on loan in the English Championship. It seems like this is going to happen. As we record it now, it's not official, but reportedly this is going to happen. Jordan, did you think Jordan Morris would ever move from the Seattle Sounders? Because honestly, I don't think I did. Well, I, you know, have a little soft spot in my heart for Jordan Morris since, you know, we share the same name. So you have <laughs> okay. to, right? I think that's just kind of how it goes. But when I've read and heard him talk about moving potentially away from Seattle throughout his years, because this isn't the first time there's been chatter, it, he always says it has to be the right move. It has to be the right move. And if it's the right move, then of course. And so I'm curious for you, Joe, because you looked into this a little bit more. Do you feel like this is the right move for Jordan Morris, especially at this time? Off the top, it seems like it's not. It seems like moving to the second division in England is is not the place where Jordan Morris could have gone. But I think it's important to think about the context of this move. Right now, Swansea City is a very good English championship team. They're second in that second division in England. If the season ended today they would be a Premier League team. They would be promoted up to the Premier League. And because it's a loan that's being reported, this isn't Jordan Morris's only option. This isn't, it's not like he's going to Europe and he's going to play for Swansea for the rest of his career. This is a chance for him to show what he can do on the field in Europe at a, at a very known level. The championship is a level that a lot of teams from a lot of different top leagues in Europe scout and know and are very familiar with. And so if Jordan Morris is going there and he's able to be productive throughout the rest of this season, likely I I would assume that would be the rest of the loan. It would just go from from kind of now to the end of the championship season in May or whatever it's going to be. Mm -hmm. If he's able to be productive during that stretch of time, then you've got teams really circling. Then maybe Seattle have boosted his value by a million or two million from what it is right now. And he's more of a proven commodity than he is with the Sounders and Major League Soccer. So as far as I can tell, there's really no downside to this move objectively. Obviously, moving across the ocean and doing a lot of those things for Jordan Morris is going to be difficult. But for the Sounders, yes, you need to replace this guy for for the beginning of your season, and you need to be prepared for him to move. So there's difficulty there, but there's not a lot of downside long-term to this move. If it doesn't work out, you get Jordan Morris back. And if it does work out, you get many millions of dollars for Jordan Morris. (laughs) Right. And there's games happening right now, which I think could be really beneficial for Jordan Morris since he did have such a solid year in MLS. I think you kind of continue that momentum getting straight away back into games. And he knows a thing or two about winning championships and he has never faced promotion and relegation like they do in England. But I think he can take some of that experience he's had, maybe not in 2020, but in previous years of winning championships to that squad as well. 100%. And before we move off of Jordan Morris, 
I want to just quickly touch on how he could fit or how he will fit in Steve Cooper, Swansea City Manager's system. Yeah. So most of the time for Seattle, we think of Jordan Morris as playing on the left wing. He's got that improved left foot and he cuts inside sometimes on his right or he can drive down that left wing and get into the box and get down to the end line. Swansea don't play with a left winger. They play in a 3-5-2 with two strikers and then a left-sided wing back and a right-sided wing back, those three midfielders and the three center backs. There's no left wing spot there. There's no, there's no traditional Sounders role for him to play. But I don't think that's a problem for Jordan Morris. I think Steve Cooper thinks Morris can play easily either one of those top two striker spots. He can roam wide to the left or to the right if he wants to. He can drop into midfield. He can stretch the back line. Jordan Morris is such a versatile attacker that I don't think he'll mm-hmm. have any difficulty playing in either one of those striker spots in a 3-5-2. Yeah, I like that. I like that analysis because, Joe, I'm, I know it's crazy to to hear this, but I'm not too familiar with Swansea City in the <laughs> okay, so. yeah. I'm shocked. <laughs> I cannot believe that, in. Jordan. You got it. I think I think it's helpful, though, to have some idea of where this guy could be going and what he's going to be asked to do when that move does eventually happen or if that move does eventually happen. Some moves that have already happened on the coaching side of things. Three teams in Major League Soccer have officially filled their head coaching vacancies. The Galaxy with Greg Vanny, Toronto FC hired Chris Armas last week. And earlier today, as we're recording right now, DC United announced that Hernan Losada would be their next manager. And then we'll toss in Phil Neville and Inter Miami there as well, because he just stepped down from the England women's national team job earlier today as well. So he is ready and available to join David Beckham's Miami. Hey, everybody, it's Joe Lowry wearing my producer's hat at this point. In the time that we were recording this episode, Phil Neville is officially the Inter-Miami head coach. And during this conversation about new coaches coming into Major League Soccer, we totally spaced Gabriel Heinz joining Atlanta United just because that happened earlier in the offseason while Jordan and I were in hibernation. That's 100% on us, but never fear We're going to talk about Heinz and we're going to talk more about these coaches that we're about to talk about on next week's show. There's been a lot of coaching moves that have happened already, Jordan Angeli. Which of these makes the most sense to you? Which of these is the strangest to you? Wherever you want to take this, take it away. I think the one that makes the most sense to me is Greg Vanny to L.A. I I think L.A. is looking to revamp. He's proven that he's done a good job in Toronto and we'll go into more depth about that. But the one that is interesting to me is Phil Neville to Miami. Yeah. Because this is uh, clearly this hasn't been fully announced yet, but there are so many rumors and the connection between him and David Beckham and him stepping down from the English women's national team earlier today, I think is pretty good indication that he's going to be going there. So I wanted to go into a little bit more depth about how that is going to look. And honestly, from a coaching standpoint, we Actually, I'm going to start playing standpoint. We know Phil Neville. We know his resume will knock your socks off, right? He's done so many good things over in England. And then from a coaching standpoint, he's been coaching in various positions since 2012. So he's dipped his toes into men's, um, into EPL. He coached in, uh, with his brother as an assistant coach. And really his most significant role has been with the English women's national team over the past three years, which Joe, you know that over the past three years, there's been a pretty significant event for the women's team, which was the World Cup in 2019. He led them in the World Cup where they ended up finishing fourth in the world. So that's a good place to be. I think the thing that I take away, because I know a thing or two about the women's game, I'm pretty invested in that myself, 
So there's general things that I can associate with Phil Neville and his coaching style to what I've seen from the English team. First, I want to say the players understood what they were, the roles they were giving, the formation they would want to play. And I, he moved in and out of a couple formations, but mostly played a 4-2-3-1 with that English team. And there was buy-in, Joe. These players bought in. They played good soccer. And I think one of the things that I really noticed is they believed and they really truly played like they were a team who could be the best in the world. So for me, there's some coaching, there's some culture that has been instilled within that group that changed them. But now I'm trying to translate that to Miami. And this is why I think it's interesting, right? Is because I tried to look at Miami's roster on their website. And there is a lot of moves that Miami have made in the offseason. We talk, this is all a, a show about moves. And they haven't put any of those moves on their current roster within <laughs> their club. So I guess, Phil Neville, if you get hired, that's your first job is to actually tell us what your roster looks like. Uh, because there's been a lot of changes. But I think in general, what I noticed from that English team that I think will be really beneficial for Inter Miami is something you and I talked about a lot is, is defensively knowing what is asked of you from every single position. If he can instill those ideas that he has tactically defensively into this Miami team and keep them, give them a little bit more structure on the defensive side, I think it's going to help them build into who they want to become. It really is such an interesting move. He doesn't have a lot of sole manager experience. And a lot of that experience comes at the international level. And so moving from one of the best jobs in women's international soccer to a very strange job right now in Major League Soccer, Inter-Miami coming off of a poor season by their standards, even as a as an expansion team. And now Phil Neville joining that team that has so many question marks from a roster side, from a, a stadium. I mean, just so many different pieces that aren't finished in Miami yet. I think it's fascinating that David Beckham chose, it seems like chose Phil Neville to be his guy. Yeah. I'm I, I'm interested because there are so many question marks. That's the reality of Inter Miami right now, mm-hmm. and so seeing Phil Neville with what he can do in Major League Soccer is is fascinating to me. And I have no yeah. idea how it's going to go. And we'll we'll go more in depth on tactics and things like that in another show. But color me intrigued, Joe. The last point I want to make really quick about Miami. It'll be interesting because they go from the South American Diego Alonso style tactics to English manager played in the EPL. Just, it's going to be a transition that I think might be more, it it could be difficult or it could be a a little bit more seamless because the structure is there and that might be what Miami needs. Again, question marks. And we'll find out some (laughs) of the answers to those throughout the rest of the offseason as Miami's roster becomes a little bit clearer. And then once we get into the season, we see how this team actually plays. Jordan, I want us to shift over to the other new coach entering Major League Soccer. That's Hernan Losada coming into Coach DC United. I want us to familiarize ourselves and listeners with his background a little bit because I was not familiar with Losada before the rumors started coming and the reports started coming from the Washington Post and others about him joining D.C. So background-wise, he's coming over from Belgium where he was coaching Beerschot in the first division. We'll see how I did with that pronunciation. I think it was, <laughs> I think it was solid. He was coaching Beerschot in that first division. He's a young guy. He's 38 years old. He's from Argentina. He spent a lot of his playing career in Belgium after he had moved from South America. He retired from playing in March 2018, then became an assistant coach of Beerschot in May 2018. So almost an immediate transition into coaching. He began coaching their reserves, and then in 2019, he became the head coach of the first team, 
got them promoted to the first division from the second division in Belgium and had them in 10th place before his departure this season. So it's a short resume. It's an odd resume going from playing so quickly into coaching and then coaching reserves and as an assistant coach and then still a very young professional first team manager. Mm-hmm. But for me, this all comes down to the fact that at the end of the day, we're going to see a different coach on the sideline for DC United. Ben Olsen yeah. had been the coach of DC for such a long time to get a new face and a new style and new principles of play and new energy on that sideline. That's fascinating to me because we just simply haven't had that for the last X number of years. I think that any change is going to be interesting for DC United because of what you just mentioned. And I'm interested because I don't know, this just got announced. And I think for DC United, that was one of the places where there was a lot of names thrown out and you didn't really know which direction they were going to go. I'm interested to learn more about him. And I think you and I both said it earlier on is we like to dig in a little bit deeper. And that's something that we're going to try to do over the next few episodes. Yeah, we'll get into more tactics down the line. For now, I want to throw just a couple of rough numbers at you, Jordan. Okay. Beershot in Belgium during his time coaching this season, they were third in the league in goals and they were second in the league in goals allowed. Third in the league in goals and second in goals allowed. So goals coming in at both ends, right? (laughs) We're going to be busy watching this team in Major League Soccer, potentially, if he keeps a lot of the tactical elements that he was using in Belgium. One last number. Beershot averaged the fourth least amount of possession per game in Belgium's first division. And there's a reason for that. It's not just that he wants to sit back and bunker and he wants to play a 4-4-2 block, sit in his own half and then counterattack. He likes to move forward higher up the field defensively and do some interesting things when he doesn't have the ball. So that's all I want to say right now on Hernan Losada. I'm going to do more research, Jordan. You're going to do more research. But to give listeners a little something to latch on to in D.C., there's a little primer for you. Yeah, I think D.C. United fans are going to be happy about that. (laughs) Some of those numbers you threw out there were pretty exciting and got my eyes a little bit wider. It's got some Matias Almeida vibes with the goals conceded and goals scored. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Not a direct comparison, I don't think, tactically, but we could be looking at some more high-flying games now over in the Eastern Conference instead of the West. Right. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
The two other coaches that have moved within Major League Soccer or have returned to Major League Soccer after a very short absence. We've got Greg Vanny to the LA Galaxy and Chris Armas to Toronto FC. Two names that are familiar to most Major League Soccer fans at this point. Greg Vanny stepped down as TFC's head coach in December and was announced as the Galaxy's head coach just over a month later. Jordan, I'm with you. This move makes sense to me. The Galaxy needed a coach after the Guillermo Barroso era didn't go how they wanted it to go. And Vanny was probably the best domestic candidate available. He's got ties to the Galaxy. He had success in Toronto. I'm 100% with you. I think this move makes sense. And I think the Galaxy already on their roster mm-hmm. have talent, especially in the midfield, to make Greg Vanny's style yes. of soccer work. We talk about that almost weekly on our podcast last year is there's pieces there. Why isn't it working? And I think bringing Greg Vanny in, he is a guy about the process. How many articles have you read that where he's talking about the building process and the, how the team not only wants to build up on the field, but how he wants to build them up off the field as well. So I think this is a really smart decision from LA Galaxy and they get someone who's proven in MLS in a variety of ways. The only thing I want to mention galaxy-wise right now is Efra Alvarez. This is a young teenage dual national Mexican-American attacking midfield player. He is a creator. If you think about Toronto's teams under Greg Vanny, you had Victor Vasquez as the Spanish attacking playmaker guy. And then Alejandro Pozuelo last season was mm-hmm. a very, very big part of that winning league MVP a lot of Vanny's teams in Toronto were defined by players like that, overshadowed at times by Giovinco and Josie Altidore. But I would argue that those attacking playmakers were indispensable for Vanny's success yeah. and to his success in Toronto. Efra Alvarez is way younger than Pozuelo or than Victor Vasquez, but his talent is undeniable. His ability on the ball when he's on the field and when he's fit and when he's playing like he was at the end of last season His ability is higher than 95% of players in Major League Soccer. What he can do with his left foot is is maybe unrivaled by any other teenager, certainly, and maybe by any other player in Major League Soccer. I'm excited to see what Greg Vanny is going to do with Efra Alvarez, how he's going to use him. Efra seems to be fit at this point. He's been in camp with the U.S. He was getting minutes last season, as I said. This could be a, a wonderful match for the Galaxy and for Efra Alvarez this season. Well, we've seen throughout TF, Greg Vanny's time at TFC, how there's been a number of players from, that have gone from homegrown and developed their careers. And I see that a lot and attribute that a lot to the culture within the squad. And Galaxy is a team and a culture that, or a team and an organization that is screaming to revamp their culture. So I think you bring in a guy who can help with that. The last coach we've got today before we get into player moves. It's Chris Armas now going to Greg Vanny's old club, Toronto FC. He was fired midway through last season by the Red Bulls. He had a chance to sit down and and think through things and to watch film and to analyze teams during his time off from coaching. And now he is back in Major League Soccer as the head coach of Toronto FC. I think in a lot of ways, name-wise, this signing for Toronto is a little bit underwhelming. Chris Armas did not have, did not end his Red Bull tenure on a high. But if you think about some other things that Chris Armas did when he was in New York, there are positives here. And I think, for me, I'm really interested to see what Chris Armas, the coach, is like outside of the Red Bull family. Mm. Joe, I was reading an article on The Athletic earlier today, actually, about the the move of Armas to Toronto. And you're exactly right. How many times last year did we talk about 
Red Bulls when Armist was the head coach about how there were ideas there, but maybe you didn't have the right pieces. Hmm. And I feel like at TFC, he's going to have the right pieces. So will his ideas come to fruition because the pieces are there. Now we get to see is the coaching at the same place. And really the only thing I have left to say about Armas is to to point listeners to an interview that Extra Time did with him. Um, Andrew Wiebe, David Goss, Matt Doyle had a great conversation with Chris Armas the day he was hired by Toronto, I believe. He talked tactics a little bit, didn't give too much away, but talked about some things that that have value and have some meaning more than just buzzwords that coaches throw around at press conferences. And so I would, <laughs> I would encourage listeners, if you're a Toronto fan or if you're curious about this signing for Toronto, go listen to that conversation because, yeah, Chris Armas is a good interview, number one, and it's just a downright good conversation with a lot of insight. We, we got into a lot of the coaches, Joe, but I feel like it's time to transfer over to some of these changes within players oh, yeah. for MLS. Oh, yeah. And there's been a few. Do you want to start? Do you want to start with one that you feel like is the most intriguing to you when you're looking at all of these player moves within Major League Soccer? I'd love to. And I'm I'm torn between the one that I think <laughs> is the most intriguing. And so we'll get to both. But I'll just start simply with Corey Baird to LAFC. LAFC okay, traded I... for Corey Baird. They, they gave up yeah. $500,000 in general allocation money, an international roster slot, and some future considerations in exchange for Corey Baird. And Corey Baird's career has been very roller coastery. He was great mm-hmm. in 2018. He was good in 2018. He won Rookie of the Year for RSL. But then in 2019 and 2020, his numbers dipped. He wasn't particularly good for, for Mike Pecky or for Freddy Juarez. But I think despite those couple of rough years stats-wise, I think because of how Bob Bradley plays yes. and how LAFC line up, Corey Baird might be a perfect depth versatility guy to play in any one of those spots of Bob Bradley's front three. I agree. I When I saw this move, I definitely went, hmm, this is going to be really interesting because, like you said, there are so many attributes that Corey Baird has that I think maybe weren't utilized correctly at RSL. And I know I keep saying this word structure, but the when I was talking back about uh, Miami, but the structure of Bob Bradley and what he brings on the training pitch and what he asks out of players on the field, it seems like there is a good understanding of what every single player needs to do, but also a trust in their abilities to perform. And I think that that is something that Corey Baird will flourish under. If Diego Rossi or Brian Rodriguez get sold anytime soon, Corey Baird is a guy who can play as the left winger. He can play as the right winger. If Carlos Vela moves inside, he can even play as the number nine and stretch back lines vertically. Baird is fast. He's right-footed. He's really energetic and direct. Bob Bradley's team likes to play with all of those attributes at times. And I think the fit is there. You know what's funny, too, is when I saw this, I actually thought he could be like a Latif Blessing center midfielder. Ooh. Which I don't know is, I have to go back to his Stanford career, and I don't know if he's always played on the wing. But I feel like he has those same attributes that Blessing has in his energy and his feistiness and his ability to cover ground, that that might be an option too. But maybe I'm just being wild there. I'd love to see that. And I think Bobby Warshaw would also love to see that. He tried <laughs> to sell me, and he, I think he succeeded. He tried to sell me on Paul Areola as a center midfielder. And a guy who's yeah. just going to put in work in the middle. I think Baird okay. roughly fits into that mold. He's got a kind of a lanky build that you don't usually see from a central midfielder. He's he's skinny and he's got long legs and arms. But I don't I don't know why it couldn't work. Jordan, I love right. that. 
Okay. I'm <laughs> just thinking outside the box. No, we're here for it. We're here for it. <laughs> What's one player move that has intrigued you so far this offseason, Jordan? Oh, gosh. Do you know where I'm going to go, Joe? I know. Everybody knows where you're going to go, and it's beautiful. <laughs> just rip the Band-Aid off and, and stop containing your joy. But you wanted to say this, too. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, I did. Uh-huh. Yeah, I did. Go for it. I feel like the Columbus crew, just when you think that the you're the best team in MLS, when you add two solid pieces that are not only proven goal scorers and playmakers in Major League Soccer, but players that everybody in this league would be like, I want them on my team. You get Bradley Wright Phillips and Kevin Molino. These are probably the biggest, when you're looking through this list of transfers within MLS, these have to be the two biggest and they go to the champions. Yeah. There's there's nothing to add to that. I 100% agree with you. So I, the reason why I like this is because uh, these players come in, and I think Bradley Wright Phillips, let's start off with him, one of the most prolific goal scorers in the league. He has proven that he can put the ball in the back of the net. I actually went back and watched a little highlight reel of his goals in 2020 for LAFC, and he scored eight goals, and a couple of them were phenomenal, like a sidekick, side volley, uh, almost near bicycle kick. Uh, there were a couple in MLS's back that were just different than normal where he's scoring in front of the back line and not beyond it. But the thing that I think um, is really good about BWP and why he'll fit in is because he doesn't have to play 90 to be effective. And he can come in when Jossie's artist maybe needs a game off and play the 90 and be really good and connect the lines for Columbus. But the thing that impresses me most about him is his footwork is so solid. And as you increase in your playing career, as far as your age goes, (laughs) you have to make sure that you are effective in key moments. And I was watching not only his positioning, but how he moves his feet in order to find the space he needs to win to be effective inside the box, because that's his lone job. He scored eight goals last year. That would have been second best on the crew. And he's heading into that team who is really good at getting balls and services into the box. So um, love that. Then Kevin Molino, hot boy Molino. <laughs> this this guy, I mean, we oohed and odd last season about the relationship between Molino and Reynoso when he came into the league. Like, how fun was it to watch those two and be creative playmakers? And what we saw from him mostly, Joe, is playing on the left side and coming inside and almost being a second 10, right? Yeah. What is cool about that is you get a player in Lucas on as that number 10 for Columbus. And wherever Molino plays, if it is on that left side, but Pedro Santos can play on the left side, he can play on the right side. So I don't really know where, where Molino is going to fit in in that, that line of three. But Molino gives you the ability to have pace. His, his quality on the dribble in tight spaces is something that I think him and Celeron will be able to connect. This is something where when I found out he was a free agent, I said, Oh my gosh, can you imagine him at Columbus? And here it is. He, I mean, that's the best. Those two are the best transfers within MLS for sure. I was signings. I was so sad when that free agency move from Molina was announced. Not that he was joining a team yet, but when when it was announced that he probably wasn't going to be back with Minnesota United. I was mm-hmm. sad because that meant no more Reynoso and Molino combining yeah. in the attacking half. Right. And then he landed on a team with one of the other most fun attacking <laughs> midfielders in the league in Columbus. 
Mm-hmm. And we're we're back in business, baby. The Kevin Molino right. combining with, you know, fill in the blank number 10, that is back. And it's going to be so fun to watch with Kevin Molino and Lucas Celereon. The crew are going to be must-see TV more than ever. And, and because there are so many international tournaments in 2021, the fact that they brought in depth at a couple of key yes. attacking spots is, is huge. For Jossie Zardes when he goes with the national team and for Luis Diaz, maybe when he goes with the Costa Rican national team and other, other players are gone or unavailable, having two really talented attacking players added to this group is very important for them. Yeah. And it just provides that. You mentioned Luis Diaz there, and I think it's important because he had a really good end to the season. But you add in competition to those spots, and everybody only gets better. Yeah. Okay, Joe, we each kind of said what we're most excited to see, and there's a few more that we need to hit on. So why don't you start with a player signing or a trade with an MLS that we haven't yet hit? Yeah, so we've got a few more left to get through before we end with some Austin FC talk, an expansion team coming into the league in 2021 My player, though, to rapid-fire this very quickly is Ronald Matarita to FC Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. New York City traded him to Cincinnati for $500,000 in general allocation money. Matarita was the best left-back in Major League Soccer last year in terms of goals added, in terms of his ability to add value with every individual action over the course of a game. And I think that's huge. Having a really strong, solid, attacking, mobile left-back added to Yopstam's team in Cincinnati... Having one of the best players in in the league, if not the best player in the league yeah. at that spot, added to a team that was the worst in Major League Soccer last season, but is looking, obviously, to climb up the table, that's a huge move. It's a good move, and I think it's it's not like they overpaid for Matarita either. Well, defensively, Cincinnati, they didn't give up a ton of goals like they did two years ago, so there's some more structure defensively, clearly with Yapstam. But also, going forward, that's what they need to work on. So I think I, I agree with you. This is a good signing to... Ha- to have that added goals number with Matarita. Flipping it back to you, Jordan, what's another move that caught your eye this offseason? Well, let's go to Colorado Rapids signing Michael Barrios. It's a trade for an international spot in the 15th pick in the 2021 draft. I'm not so worried about that 2021 draft pick, but <laughs> to trade on the international spot for Michael Barrios is a really interesting thing for me because – I feel like, yes, this is a player who's had really good performances within Major League Soccer, had a down year in 2020, but 2019, he had 15 assists. And I think for for the Rapids, they have shown that they have ability and fluidity going forward, especially if you have uh, someone to give you quality within the final third, that they're going to be able to have players like Shinyashiki or Diego Rubio put the ball in the back of the net. But I'm, I'm questioning this one. I'm not, I'm not sold on Michael Barrios in the system for Robin Frazier, but clearly he saw something with them. I think the big question mark for me too is what does Barrios add defensively in that winger position that is going to enhance, um, what they have already? It seems strange because I wouldn't have thought the Rapids needed another winger. They have yeah. Jonathan Lewis. They have Benaze. They have Shinyashiki. They have other guys on this squad. Yunus Namli at times can play out wide, even though I'm, I much prefer watching him in the middle. Yeah. It's a strange move. It felt like a number nine might have been a more necessary target, but there's still time in the offseason yeah. left for them to make a move for a number nine or for Robin Frazier to, to prove us both wrong. I don't think he'd have right. any difficulty doing that as the season progresses. Yeah, but they're definitely not going to use that international spot because it's gone. So. Um, all right, Joe, back to you. I just got a couple more names here that we're going to run through before we get to Austin. Jorge Villafania has been traded to the LA Galaxy. I don't think Villafania at this point in his career is 
is a top quality left back, but we'll see how that goes. Greg Vanny has been able to work with veterans and revive veterans at times in Toronto in the past. He's done that. So, you know, we'll see what happens with Jorge Villafania in LA. And then Will Trapp, free agent moving to yes. Minnesota United. Ozzy Alonso's status with Minnesota is still unknown as far as I'm aware. And so having another guy who can play in that double pivot for Adrian Heath next to Asani Dotson or next to Jan Gregush has value and Will Trapp can still contribute in Major League Soccer, even if he didn't show it as much last year under Diego Alonso with Inter-Miami. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I actually had written some notes on that as well because I thought that that is a really good pickup for Minnesota and there was a lot of talk about that earlier on and it's it's now finalized. I just think that Will Trapp fits into what Adrian Heath wants and gives you a lot of similar qualities that Ozzy Alonso has. I think there's, there is some similarity. I would argue there are, there are major differences as well, especially defensively, but on the ball in terms of their ability yeah. and desire to get touches, I think there are similarities there to the mm-hmm. roles that they will play. Jordan, before we get out of here, let's talk Austin FC briefly. Right now they have 17 players on their expansion roster. There will be more guys coming into that group under Josh Wolf and, and as Claudio Reyna builds that roster. I just want to ask you this. Which player on the of the 17 players they have currently do you think will bring the most value to Austin in 2021? It's hard to not say Alex Ring yeah. because of who he's proven he was with New York City FC. And you can build a team around a player like that, especially with his tenacity and his work rate and his ability on the ball, but not just that, to play in a variety of positions. So I do think Alex Ring. I'm going to throw something out there, though, that I think is really interesting because we're going to see Josh Wolf ahead a, a team in MLS. We haven't seen him do this yet. So I think it'll be interesting to see what kind of... um managerial style he has. But when I was digging into him a little bit more and looking to see what he did as an assistant coach, not only under Greg Berhalter in Columbus, but also on the men's national team, that he was really into his role as an assistant was analyzing, assessing training sessions, watching matches, evaluating the U.S. player pool, both domestically and internationally. So when you talk about that, evaluating that player pool and bringing that information to either Greg at Columbus or Greg as the U.S. men's national team coach, then you look at some of the players he brought in. And this is what is interesting to me. So some of these players, he's probably been watching and evaluating from the standpoint of can they be on the national team? And there is a name that stands out to me. It's Jared Schrood, hmm. which came over. He came over from New York Red Bulls. He's a guy that played collegiately at Colgate had uh, then was signed with Red Bull 2 and had really good two seasons at Red Bull 2. So you can see his progression from Red Bull 2, where in 18, he had seven goals, 11 assists. In 2019, he had 15 goals and nine assists. So really producing on that USL side. But then he gets called into the first team, starts 11 games last year, and you can see the progression of this player. I just feel like Josh Wolf has an opportunity and clearly sees something that is going to be helpful for this Austin FC team in Shrewd and how he can enhance his career and keep it the trajectory going up. So I don't know. That seems to me like a really interesting signing and picking him up because there might be something there that maybe we don't see yet. I want to carry that theme forward to another American on this roster, one of the most intriguing names on the roster for me, and that's Nick Lima. I remember yeah. being in in Phoenix, which is you know where I'm based, but going and watching Greg Berhalter's first game 
with the national team in January of 2019. Nick Lima started as the right back in that game, and Josh Wolf was on Greg Berhalter's coaching staff in that game. These guys know each other. These guys have interacted mm-hmm. before. Nick Lima can play left back for the Earthquakes. He's done that in the past. He can play right back. He's also done that for the Earthquakes and for the national team. He can tuck into midfield. He has tucked into the midfield for the national team in the past. That's how Greg Berhalter started out using him with the U.S. And so I think the yeah. familiarity there and carrying that over from from Jared Stroud and all of those things, I think there is a strong connection there. And I'm just excited to see how Josh Wolf plans on using some of these American guys and then also the talent that Austin is mm-hmm. bringing in from South America and from other places in Major League Soccer. The roster is starting to come together, and I'm excited to talk about it more as the the actual season gets closer. Yeah, this will be fun. And Joe, we're going to talk a lot more about all of these things, I'm sure, in the next few weeks. Oh, yes, we are, Jordan. We're going to have shows out each week as we lead back up to the regular season. We'll talk more about Austin. We'll talk more about what well, we'll actually talk about incoming transfers. We'll talk more about coaches and do all of those sorts of things leading up to some very specific prediction previews before the season really gets underway. Jordan, it has been an absolute pleasure. I'm so glad we're back and it's always a joy to chat soccer with you. We're back, baby. It's good to be back. And um, that was a fun episode, and I can't wait for more. Listeners, thank you for listening, and we will be back again next week.